So hello and welcome to this week's episode of Rebel City Podcast. This week's guest is the uh, incredibly funny up-and-coming comedian Gary Folds. Um, this episode was an absolute pleasure to record with Gary. I think both me and Matt um, enjoyed it immensely, I think, mostly because of the amount of sharing that we did. Um, I know that for sure myself shared quite a lot with Gary. It was quite a natural conversation. He's a nice guy. He's hilariously funny um, and he openly shares himself about uh, some mental health issues. Um, some of the things that we cover in the episode um, uh, is dealing with anxiety, challenging yourself, relationships, triggers. Um, we even talk about like ground roots, movements and mental health. Uh, Gary's got an anxiety group for men um, and he talks about... Um, helping other people set up groups um, and how important that is and going forward spoke about growing up in Glasgow in Scotland a wee bit of a vegan backlash that he got online <laughs> around the vegan sausage rolls um, and dealing with the death of close relatives um, Gary was really honest, it was just really refreshing to speak to somebody um, that's just absolutely balls out with her, uh, with her issues and like I said it, it made me and Matt to share a bit more than what we normally do. I don't know if I, I should be sharing more than what I normally do, but <laughs> I did it anyway. Um, this week's sponsor, as you, you might know by now that um, I do like a wee sort of positive mental health, but as a sponsor of the show, um, I've listened back to this podcast um, and it's, I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to shy away for saying that I think it's an actual, it's a great podcast. Some things in here that people need to be talking about and people need to be listening to. So this week's um, sponsor is going to be sharing. Um, and I think that this is something that I had a discussion on Twitter um, about. Um, people were saying just just talking isn't enough. Just talking definitely isn't enough, but. Um, when you share your issues, if you're open and honest with other people um, and you bring into your own awareness some of the things that might, might be running through your mind and your subconscious, then all you really need to do is set about taking advice of others for whatever and uh, put them to bed, as it, as it might be. Um, anytime that I'm sharing with people, as long as I'm being honest with myself and I'm being honest with them, I always take something away from it. Um, so that's one of the positive things that you get for sharing not only that um, and we speak about this in the episode is that it allows people run about you to adjust their behaviour um, if you don't tell your girlfriend your wife your boyfriend your husband your children even um, how you feel if you're struggling then how are they ever going to be able to react appropriately or no question you if, if you don't look like you're having a good time and they know that you're anxious and that you're suffering from anxiety then they know maybe to give you a bit of space. People's natural reaction is always going to be to try and help. That's, I mean, even as, as a, a red-blooded male myself, I'm a fixer. Let's fix it. What are we going to do? Come on, sit down, talk about it, fix it. Um... Sometimes that isn't what people want. Sometimes people 
uh, want a wee bit of space. And if you can communicate to the people around about you what you need, how you're feeling, um, be honest, be open, then I think only good things can come out. So this week's episode is sponsored by sharing openly and honestly with people that are running about you. Um, and hopefully you enjoy this episode um, as much as uh, we did making it. So hello and welcome to Rebel City Podcast. God knows what episode we're on now. We keep on having this thing where we, well, we did the first 15, we'd be like episode one, episode two, but now it's just fucking... Episode 26. Uh, who knows? <laughs> who fucking knows? Like, anyway, like a bingo, like somebody wins, like a kebab. <laughs> if, if you guess the right number. <laughs> like a lottery. Tweet at the start of the episode. I'm going for 26. I'm going for 26. I don't think we're quite... We should be about 20 maybe by the time this goes out. Anyway, Gary, Gary Folds, how's it going, mate? It's good, mate. I'm a bit anxious, but uh, it's the best time to come and do this, isn't it? Aye. So, I de- well, I don't know. <laughs> you could tell me if it's the best time to come and do it, man. I think when you're, you're speaking about something with experience, you're better to be in that experience. Mm. Right mm. now, I'm feeling anxious. What I'm doing here, I felt anxious sitting in the, the restaurant. I felt like I was at church. And my, my wife's a Christian and I got to church. So mm-hmm. it was like, that's normally my peaceful zone. Right. But I was just, I walked out and I sat in the, the corridor and I was just like, I'm not for this. No. Well, I'm in that mentality and it's like, the thing with anxiety is you've got to break away from it. Only mm. you can overcome anxiety. No, definitely. You can't need a self-help book. You can't take a tablet. Well, you, they can give you a tablet to subdue it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't better it. You, you need to be able to, within your mind, take yourself out of that scenario. So I'm going through that process as we speak. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to shrug it off. You know Do you find mean? having a process helps you? <clears throat> process, definitely. I, I had anxiety bad two years ago, um, by the point I didn't leave the house. Um, and that was a problem, because my veins were getting brought to the house. I wasn't leaving the front door. So my veins were starting to get sick of it in the house all the time and, and it's learned behaviour as well. You don't yeah. want your children to suffer the same thing you suffer. So I call it the fuck it syndrome. That's <laughs> something that I got and I just thought, you know what, what the fuck's going to happen to me if I leave this house? Mm-hmm. And it's being ex-military, it's having that aggression just to challenge yourself. And as soon as I walked out the house, I felt fine. <laughs> so I felt, I'm a fucking right. idiot. I've just sat in the house for five or six weeks. That's and all I had today was cross that threshold, mm-hmm. that, that line. And, and that's what anxiety is. Anxiety is a, it's a disease in the mind. You need to be able to overcome it. And that's how the group's good because, like, people look at me and go, he's a comedian, he's always happy, he's Jack the Lad. And, mm-hmm. But it's not, that's a mask. That's a, yeah. that's, that's a job. I just yeah. put a, like, a hood on or like a helmet as a wicked is. It's the same mm-hmm. thing, you know what I mean? And it's hard to kind of be that person, but the group's good because I can sit down and go, right, boys, I've had an absolute shite week. There's no judgment, there's no, mm-hmm. nobody cracking jokes. It's like, right, but what happened? And we can break it down and together we work. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just phenomenal that if MD's not in a group get in a group because that's what's going to help you if you're struggling yourself sit with the guys with anxiety because mm-hmm. you'll hear things like what we days we talk about a week and then we share things that have helped their anxiety some of the boys talk about CBD some of the boys speak about hypnotherapy I go hypnotherapy at the harvest clinic around the corner mm-hmm. um, that was really good you know what I mean but it's when it comes to the shelf you've got to be in your head mm-hmm. you've got to say it yourself get up get out yeah. I've found that for me CBD <clears> things <throat> like CBD meditation um i tried hypnotherapy it doesn't go well mm-hmm. um i mean you woke up like a chicken <laughs> no, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, the, the guy basically just dismissed i went in with a problem and i went here's my problem mm-hmm. and the guy went that's not your problem mm-hmm. i'll get to the bottom of your problem so basically i told him what was mm-hmm. wrong with me 
He um, tried to overpower you? And he tried to basically just go out. Basically what he said to me was, I know better than you, and that, mm-hmm. that isn't actually a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it didn't get off to the best of starts. Mm-hmm. So then instantly I was just like, fuck this dude, man. I just... Are you meeting aggression aggression? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like, the guy that I'd went to, um, he, there was a lot of sort of uh, semi-famous football players in his, mm-hmm. his dressing room. So I think he's one of these like performance management. Mm-hmm. Like like a Tony Robbins for anxiety. Aye. Mm. Well, for anything. Like hey, no bullshit. Uh-huh. And sometimes that can be great, but sometimes that can be the downfall as yeah. well. I'm mm-hmm. with you in this. I mean, when I'm anxious, I have experienced bouts of anxiousness mm-hmm. in recent weeks. Um, I think confronting it is the best thing. And, mm-hmm. I'm, I always talk quite openly, both on air and off air, about mm-hmm. you know how I'm feeling and stuff. And I think that's something that sort of helps me in a big way is just to go, as you say, just get in its face and go, mm-hmm. not name air. You know what I mean? Like, so that's something I can definitely relate to in that respect. Mm-hmm. There used to be a saying in the army, and it was always take the fight to the enemy. Mm-hmm. Don't let the enemy come to you. So I've, I've got something I call a war room. And you can do this without Christianity or faith. Mm-hmm. But what my war room is, it's in, in my cupboard. Open my cupboard on the back of it is just biblical like motivational quotes. So you could just put any motivational quote, but I'm having a bad day, I look at that wall and mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know, like a boxer will psych himself up. I build myself up and I had to do that today. Opened the cupboard door, read some of the stuff and I was like, hey, fuck it, let's get amongst us. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I'm still, I'm half and half now. This morning I was 100% anxious. I probably say I'm 50% now. Mm-hmm. But it's just in my head overcoming it. Get out yeah. walk. Walking's been amazing. That's been a new thing I've tried. I know you probably got, probably got the wide angle on the camera, but I've been out <laughs> walking every day and it's just... Exercise. It's phenomenal. It was one of the guys in the group who said some sort of medical journal. Mm-hmm. He said that walking for 30 minutes can decrease depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking so true. Yeah. Oh, Close your mind, mm-hmm. definitely. It takes you <clears> to that sort of bubble of just feeling that mm-hmm. that pent up, like, how do I get rid of this? How do I get rid of this? And mm-hmm. I think when you exercise, it's, it's the same as meditation. It takes you out of that thinking about mm-hmm. it and you're just thinking about what's going on mm-hmm. or the fresh air and I think it definitely removes yeah. you and when you can give yourself a bit of space between you and the actual anxiety you can actually like you're saying you, you leave the house and you go wait a minute there's fucking nothing wrong mm-hmm. I just going to have to take control so, um, and I've found that anxiety f- as well is almost the I get anxious thinking about being anxious mm-hmm. it's like a vicious cycle uh, If so if something happens this is definitely something I've experienced if something uh, happens say for instance like yourself it's you've been on holiday and um, you've been working mm-hmm. been keeping yourself busy and then all of a sudden that stops then I go oh I'm, I'm, I might feel anxious then I feel anxious mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. I start going into how did I get rid of this anxiety when really what happened was is I just brought it on myself by going this is when I usually feel anxious I'm going to feel anxious here yeah do you know what I mean it's like a vicious cycle that can be one of your triggers I always say with the guys there's a lot of guys come to the group but they've just experienced anxiety when they think they're having heart attacks before being there. Mm. Chest mm. pains, pains in your arm, your head's just getting right inside you. And I always say to the guys, get a diary and write down, every time you feel anxious, write down the previous hour before that, if you can. Yeah. So what? So the guys are going back to you next week and they'll be like, right, every time, I don't know, my wife nags at me, I'll say, well, that's your trigger. You need to, that's as important as anxiety. That's definitely a trigger. Is you find the trigger. Because right, I get like that and. Um, the moment I addressed that, my wife, she would give me grief. I, I'm, I'm quite messy, even though I was in the army. Mm. But it would annoy her and it would cause confrontation. Instead of just saying, Gary, going to pick that up, please. She would kick off and then I'd be anxious and I'd write run away and, and stuff like that. But mm. as soon as I identified my trigger, I went to her and says, listen, go ahead and just say it, Gary, just going to pick that up. Mm-hmm. And yeah. see, you know, see, see in my house, because we've created that support environment, my house is perfect. Uh-huh. But it's when I come outside and social media is a big colour yeah. for me. 
what you're doing there, I think, is creating mm. the best environment for you to get mm. better. I think sometimes that that is, people will always say, why does talking, why is talking such a big deal mm. or why is sharing such a big deal? Um, like sharing with your girlfriend, sharing with your wife. Mm -hmm. And it's because you're giving them that awareness of how you're feeling so that they can maybe adjust some of their behavior if it's causing mm -hmm. it. Like and support saying. you. People need to know mm -hmm. what you're going through. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the number one thing I'd say we, we, if you're coming to my anxiety group, it's one of the things that trigger and then it'll be that. But like you need to tell people in your immediate home yep. that you've got anxiety and this is how you might react. Because mm -hmm. otherwise people are just going to think, what the fuck's wrong with him? He's yeah. got anger problems and really you've no. You're yeah. crying out for help. Mm -hmm. But my, my big thing used to be with somebody like, you all right? No, I would be like anxious or I would go a bit quiet. You all right? You all yeah. right? You're wait, you fine? And I'd be like, my head, I'm going to fucking die. I'm and going to die. pressure associated and that's with that. Because you think, I'm all right. Yeah. I'm, am I white? And you're looking in the mirror going, am I fucking white? But mm. when I talk to my wife about that, she doesn't even say that now. She knows I'm anxious in my body language. Mm -hmm. She'll say, go for a wee nap, 10 minute nap, and I'm back in the game. Mm -hmm. um, but people need to know that you're going through it. You don't need to put it on social media and say, I've got anxiety, yeah. but tell people in your immediate life so that people can accommodate you. Mm -hmm. so what kind of reaction it? have you had? Because um, looking through just a couple of Daily Record, Evening Times mm -hmm. articles and looking through your Facebook page, I'd seen that you've been open about mm -hmm. your, your mental health uh, experiences. Um, what kind of reactions have you had? Has it been, I mean, you can't expect it to be all positive, but has it been it's mainly positive? Mainly a lot of support people. Um, a lot of kind of people in my life didn't know I had it, which was nice. So like mates, um, my, my normal mates, not my comedian mates, mm -hmm. who used to invite me out. And my big thing with anxiety was, I would say I was going somewhere and I knew for a fact I wasn't going to go. Yeah. Mm. But I would still commit to the, the date. But I knew I was going to cancel it. Mm -hmm. So my mates always felt let down. Like, what the fuck's he like? like on my mates' weddings, so I was one of the ushers. Didn't he turn up? Didn't he tell him I wasn't going? Just decided that I was going to turn off my phone and hide away. Right. And that created a big problem. Yeah. So he kind of seen the side and he went, oh, identify what, <clears throat> what you were going through. And then you get your mixed, you're, you're obviously the, the dickheads in social media. People are saying you've just got shite bag syndrome and stuff like that. And Unavoidable. It's, you can't, you can't and especially in my position now that I kind of just, it's no Facebook. I kind of just block them because I'm kind of, my name's out there a wee bit now. Yeah. They can find me for everywhere, Twitter, Instagram. Mm -hmm. And and I was getting annoyed this morning because I looking at Lee Griffiths. Yeah. Now I'm a Rangers fan and I totally like to spot that guy at the fucking mm -hmm. absolute I core. seen your post this morning. Uh, and it just it completely rattled me because that's a guy who's a high profile sportsman. Mm -hmm. He's come out and says, I've got mental health. He plays football. I mean, that must be his absolute dream that he yeah. does. So see if a guy who's living his dream has to stop doing his dream because he's mental health. Mm -hmm. Yet the media are shutting him down and saying he's taking drugs, he's got a gambling addiction. Following him about. It's terrible. And this is why men don't speak. Yep. And this is a prime example why men will never speak about their problems mm -hmm. because of people like this. You know what I mean? So I think that's a big thing. And I'm obviously everybody's like, oh, you one of them? I think I'm a Celtic fan, but it's like, no. I'm just it's spotting another guy. It's another fucking you know human being that's It's struggling. another human being, you know mate. I mean? Take the tap off and, all right, at a football game, There's I'll be shouting your shit. Totally. <laughs> bad game. But this guy's came out and cried for help and people speculate he's a fucking gambling addict. And if, it's a shame because people are gambling addicts. are people that take drugs. They won't want to speak about it because of the atmosphere. And I look at the reaction when that's leaving on the table. Aye. 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 I don't get that whole idea. I mean, I've been, I've been back at uni recently. Part of like my sort of struggling with mental health. I decided to just get back into uni and learning because mm -hmm. I've, I've, I'd stopped learning for like 12, 15 years. Mm -hmm. That's been part of what's made me feel better about myself is actually learning again and learning a lot about addiction and how it starts. Even if he was a drug addict, even if he was a gambling addict mm -hmm. and he is out there gambling, 
that doesn't mean to say that the guy's a piece of shit or mm-hmm. that he doesn't deserve your support. No, In fact, exactly. he deserves more support if he yeah. can't get to grips with this addiction. Like some of the reactions to Lee Griffith's uh, mental health cry for help or whatever it, you, you want to call it has been really perplexing to me. Like, I, I mean, don't, don't I, get it. It's something we should be holding up mm-hmm. and saying like, this is how a man, you know, the sports personality, mm-hmm. whatever, this is how you should conduct yourself, conduct right? yourself in these scenarios. Mm-hmm. Like they should be saying, this guy's an example of how to mm-hmm. address your issues head on. No, or look at him, he's at a bookies. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like phoning him about and it's just, it's the opposite of what we should be doing, I think, to be honest with you. I agree. Um, party, I, I think he should get himself off social media, if mm-hmm. I'm being honest. At least take a break, maybe. Uh, he, he, he does too much back back and forth with people. It's mm-hmm. people insult him and he'll go back and insult them mm-hmm. and it's backwards and forwards and it's Rangers fans. If he was a Rangers player, it would be Celtic fans. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter what mm-hmm. side of the divide he's lying on. It would be the exact same. I've got no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. But I think the guy should disconnect himself for a while and let himself. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his issue is. Mm-hmm. I mean, they haven't really said much. I, I, like, what it actually him a bit is. Dignity, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But um, it's... Did he say that to his mental health? I think that was him just firing the, the cannon and saying yeah. that, that it's mental health that's issues. That's just what it is. You mm-hmm. don't need, we shouldn't need to play in his life and ask him. And no, he, Even though he's a, he's a Celtic, but he's a, he's, a, he's a man. He's got a life. He's got a family. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen Celtic us. fans out there, mate. There's, a, oh, there's right. a, a Celtic fan that I've seen out there that <clears> was saying that because he was at Easter Road watching the Hearts mm-hmm. Hibs game with a smile on his face, that that's a disgrace because he's taking mm-hmm. thousands of week half of Celtic sitting in his arse doing nothing. Mm-hmm. You're like, do you know, you've got no fucking idea what mental Aye. health issues oh, or what it's like to live mm-hmm. with a mental health, uh, mental illness because you will go places, you will have moments of sort of happiness when you're watching. I mean, in, like you're saying, he loves football. Mm-hmm. He's in a football game. He supports Hibs. Mm-hmm. He's with your pal. Of course, he's going to be happy Aye. and smiling. That could be his downtime, I mean? a bit of morale. Exactly. And you look at me, I'm a prime example of that. I'm a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, if I'm having a fucking terrible day and a shite day or a terrible month, I go on that stage, mate, and I'm the happiest person in the room. Mm-hmm. I'm the most confident person in the room, but see inside, I'm dying. Yeah. And I came off that stage and I burst into tears. And quite, it happens a lot. Quite common for stand-ups to... Mm-hmm struggle and, and, and use their, their art mm-hmm. as a means to address like mental health and anxiety and stuff I think like a lot that. of people hide behind it as well. Yeah. I think that's the big thing when I, <clears throat> when I got involved in the man's group and I thought I'm going to set this up is because I wanted to be seen, obviously as a comedian and people know I'm a good comedian and mm-hmm. come to my shows, but I want to be seen as ambassador to help men because yeah. I felt like that. I felt like that. Cute. If I thought my mate and says, hear me, I've got anxiety, he'd probably say to me, fucking man up, won't get a pint. Yeah. Get at it. That body language and that chat. And, uh, and that's how I set up the man's group because I thought it'd be good to have an environment where guys, I mean, there's guys in this, this group that are ex-polis, there's guys that are still polis, there's guys, ex-special forces in the group, a guy that's a professional wrestler. So if you if you tag the line where the shite bag syndrome or anything like that, mm-hmm. come and sit in my group and sit with the guys in this group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, just it's, it's no shite bag syndrome. It's no. people have got an issue. And for women, it's easy to speak about, but I feel like men, people say, why do you not set up a women's group? And yeah. it's like, because I'm not a woman. Aye. Yeah. It's what about it? Uh, it's almost it's like trying to make it something uh, that it's no bringing it into a sort of gender argument and mm-hmm. like why? That's why only men? Why mm-hmm. only men? And it's like well, it's, unfortunately for men, mm-hmm. there's plenty of places out there that women can go to, and mm-hmm. we don't we don't speak to our pals. And I've always says in the podcast and interviews that I've done before, see if there's a woman out there who wants a hand to set up a group, I would absolutely love to do that. Yeah, but the sensitive stuff that gets spoke about at the groups. I mean, I'm, I'm in a group full of guys, and yeah. even at that, sometimes you'd be un- uncomfortable because you're listening to somebody's tragedy. 
and you, and you, you obviously you feel sorry for him, but mm-hmm. I could never imagine doing that with women in the room who wouldn't feel comfortable sharing in front of a guy. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's a men's group. Yeah, because my man. But if there's a woman out there, give me a phone. I think it's something that it. we need to see Mary because I think we were talking in a, a recent episode about even having like yourself and Bermulloch and other guys up in steps and stuff like that, having these men's groups in like the pure deep East End of Glasgow like that is not the East End that I remember growing up in. Like mm-hmm. that was, there just was no support structure for men whatsoever. And I think that as we're starting to see these things become more and more sort of prominent, mm-hmm. like the, they're instantly proving how worth, you know, they're worth, if you follow me. And that change is something that I think needs to continue. Well, that's, that's my passion, I believe, like, um, th- th- this group I've set up is going to become a hull walking group in two weeks' time. So the boys will meet at six in the morning on a Saturday and they'll all go hull walking and they'll all chat to each other and they're walking because obviously that's a big thing. Yeah. Um, and I'll give that to one of the big guys called Kai. A couple of them will take it on and I'll go start another group in the east end or the south side. Right. And I'll just keep doing that. Growing groups, starting it, and leaving it to one of the guys. And that's my passion, is to get as many groups I can't date myself. No, of course not. You know no. what I mean? There's charities out there that are getting funding and all the fuck all. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not going to start calling them out, but there's a lot. I've looked at it. Oh, Sunday, we mental health and Sunday. I'm in that sector now. Mm-hmm. My group costs me a fiver a week. And it's it helps. And it helps up to 25 guys. Yeah. There's charities out there getting 25, 30 million pound. And so they're just putting adverts CEOs, on the fucking telly. Aye, CEO salaries mm-hmm. and all the rest. Well, there has to be a readjustment of this. It's, it's not something you're not going to help write in a book. People have to get on the ground. There's councils out there that haven't got a job. There's people out there that's qualified in this this environment mm-hmm. where they're working in Tesco. We need to get these people back out and get them yeah. in. Yeah, 100%, man. Definitely. When you've got a six to eight week, sometimes 14 week wait to speak to a qualified person in the mm-hmm. NHS and there's people that have got diplomas in counselling sitting working in, like you're saying, working in Tesco. Mm-hmm. Not taking away from anybody that works in Tesco, but mm-hmm. you've got a value. You've got to go there yeah. and people, you've got the skills skill, to, right. to actually mm-hmm. listen to people and that's what people need. Is mm-hmm. Like you're saying, you're seeing helping 25 guys just be sitting down and giving them a platform, setting up a platform mm-hmm. for them to come in and communicate with each other. And I'm not a chain counsellor, so can you imagine if I had a qualification in that environment? Mm-hmm. That would be fucking incredible. Yeah. Now, all we days share and help each other. Imagine there was a chain person in that room mm-hmm. who could identify with a problem and who could see suicide. I'm not trained in suicide. Yeah. There's some guys that will come in and say, I'm going to date. There's some guys that won't. But there's probably body languages that could... It could help you guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. And this is part of what I've got a bit of a conflict happening just now because my, I work in retail mm-hmm. um, and it means that I don't have any set shifts. And I've got a qualification in counselling. I've got mm-hmm. the COSCA counselling skills, which is mm-hmm. like the industry standard counselling certificate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love to actually set up a group, but I don't have the consistency mm-hmm. and work to be like every Saturday I'm going to go and do this thing, mm-hmm. which is something that I'm actually like struggling with a wee bit because I feel that pull would be like, I need to set something up and help people here. What I do is that my group set up, it's an easy group to run. You might do it a bit different, but the, obviously me being a comedian, I gig, that was away that Saturday. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the group runs itself. So I just picked three or four guys within the group that I could feel that could handle that that pressure mm-hmm. to run the group in the day. The freedom between them just kind of go right, I'll do it this Saturday. Yeah. And it's a, uh, but I'm there most of the time. But if you could do that, if you could be there once a month, it still help, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like, aye. And I would happily help you with anything. We, could, we can talk about aye. that, I suppose, once Another we're, we're time, aye, but anything did, I could but help. Aye, I'm, I've definitely had that. It's been something that's been cropping up where I thought I should do mm-hmm. something and then every week it's 
two thoughts, three thoughts, and then it's every day. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about it, thinking I should maybe try and do something here. Mm-hmm. And I've got I've got uh, experience in addiction and recovery, and mm-hmm. that's what made me go and do the uh, study. Like there's a lot of that. I've not started to There's a lot of guys that come through with gambling addictions or alcohol and drug addictions. Yeah. And then they're at a point in my life where they're like, right, I'm better now. How am I not feeling better? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it'd be good to have somebody like you who mm-hmm. could say, right, so seeking back to what Matt was saying a wee, a wee minute <clears> ago, uh, we are both East End. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I was, I grew up in Carntown, Matt grew up in Rudry. I went to school in Whitehall. Oh, did you? No, 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 no. I fought for Hagkill. Oh, <laughs> that right. was my gang. <laughs> I was Goucho, mate. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I had a terrorise you probably. Three times. Three times. I, I went, went to one gang fight and got chased and I went back. <laughs> oh, mine was half brick to the head. Oh, really? I aye? was stunning down the boat my Carntown back in the, when it was the tenements and somebody shouted, watch it turned around the half bricks smacked me and was like no before that it games, was, games of bogey it was a game of tag uh, we were running up and doing uh, Hogarth Park just like you chase us and it was like fun almost uh, looking at my mates like this is fucking so I'm laughing and get smacked up and I was like nah, uh, I'm, out, too violent. I'm out how much do you think the, the traditional East End upbringing has a part to play in sort of like anxiety and I think it's Scottish upbringing I don't think it's an East End. I think it's just we're right. a tough nation. Mm-hmm. We're a tough body of men. And I think it's... Uh, everything's learned behaviour. I mean, you look at... That's how I try and be open. So that my kids can see that. I know that yep. my kids have got an issue to speak about it. Now, I didn't see my dad, but my stepdad was really good. But I would never... I could never have went to him and says, I've got mental health issues. Because mm-hmm. he wouldn't understand it. Because he's such a tough guy. But was he? Mm, Obviously, yeah. struggling and because and so he might have understood you. That's yeah. it, mate. Know what I mean? You just assume that, and, it, and it's that assumption. It's dangerous in our environment, in our society, because we just assume that somebody won't take us. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the, the way society's became now, we're all being more open, we're being more outspoken. I think it's great because you're better speaking about something than holding it in, mm-hmm. yeah. and it Definitely. sets a standard for everybody else. Aye. I, I think, think. Oh, sorry. sorry I was going to say. I think it actually even. Has like that sort of retrospective mm-hmm. thing as well because I said to, to you that when we started this podcast, uh, my dad's seventy two years old. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up and him having days where he was going, "I'm scunnered." That was his term, "I'm scunnered," mm-hmm. um, and it, you know, I'm taking a photo, take a day off work, and that was a pretty regular occurrence when he could do it. And it never occurred to me until I run into me in mental health issues that mm-hmm. that was depression or anxiety as I experienced it. But when we started talking about it, he actually went, "Do you know what? That's." That's I've had that. That's been me all the years, and that was like the first time at like seventy-two years old, just because we were yeah, talking about it, that he actually went. Do you know what? That actually resonates with me as well. So it's, I think although there are like generational shifts that mm-hmm. we're, we're talking about here, like mm-hmm. I think the openness we've got now can actually feed back to mm-hmm. these harder men for you know a different era. Just the way at the pub, didn't they? Aye. You could just, and that's where addiction comes in. I think with anxiety, because mm-hmm. I used to be like that. I'd go out and have a couple of fucking beers. But, and it, was two, next door. it was it was two or three beers a night and yeah. then it was becoming to the point when I was like it's not even meant a dent Aye. four beers five beers and I stopped it at that point but mm-hmm. you, well, can luckily, see where, yeah. you can see where that comes from there's Aye. always guys that are having a shite there let's go to the pub yeah. and drown their sorrows and forget about it so mm. it's good now that we can address it mm-hmm. openly address it I bet my health as well that's you it, I mean? you're encouraged to address it now I think that's part, a good part thing part of my fear especially with like the last sort of year or two is this whole sort of like idea of people like, well, maybe we should hit our kids. Because that was my, my thing. See, when I have went into it and tried to understand myself a wee bit, I was petrified of my dad. Mm-hmm. I was absolutely petrified. Like, if if I heard his voice and, and it was in any sort of aggressive manner, mm-hmm. I absolutely shot myself. Right. And so I was never abused physically, but I think that there was... 
the way that we've traditionally broke kids up has had an element of emotional abuse in it mm-hmm. um, and sort of scaring your kids. And Maybe we would call it now, aye. No, no then. I'd no then. Aye, oh, there, no. There, there was no awareness there. There was yeah. the, it wasn't deliberately done. It was just how you they, they, they knew how to do it. And then after that, <clears> I mean, the, 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 the threat of my dad lifting his hand to me was enough for me to mm-hmm. be like, no, absolutely not. And now we're starting to see this sort of thinking about where it's like that look at this sort of culture of snowflakes that we've raised by gain participation medals and whatever it is and we need to go back to this older way when mm-hmm. when your wins were absolutely shit scared of you no, i don't think we should be going back to that no, when, no, no, when no. sausage rolls weren't vegan <laughs> Well, that's well, a don't d- start me now. And I'm, I'm being heavy abuse. I'm the vegans. Did you oh, see that? I seen you tweet about it, but I didn't I, see I any of the I called vegans called well virgins, and I, and I regretted that instantly. I landed in the plane. It was just this just funny abuse, and I was like, "Well, they've won this one." Right? Okay. So I just uh, put no, Gary, uh, g- vegans won. Gary, it's no. been the general chat I, uh, I'm across all social media the last mm. day or so. But I know. I think the, the most <clears> hilarious one was the EDL saying that it was leftist vegan like whatever they call them <laughs> <laughs> there's now associating communism with veganism but I genuinely I, I, I make a connection between the state that I was in um, I don't mean state as in like you're in a state as in just the way I was when I was a child in the developing years and how I've uh, de- I developed this instant fear reaction mm-hmm. to stuff because right, okay. I I, I I was genuinely petrified of my, my mom and dad. Like, I, I hated getting shouted at and it was screaming. Um, and I can feel it as I'm talking about it. Do you know what I mean? I can feel my palms getting sweaty. So my, my you're talking about learned behaviour. My natural way of being was scared. Mm-hmm. And so as I've grew up, when anything, any adversities come into my life, I've just reacted with fear. Mm-hmm. And that sort of gut-wrenching yeah. fear or like, I might die here. Like this sort of... To anything, I'm going to get hot. To absolutely anything. I'm mm-hmm. talking like uh, money, money troubles. Yep. I feel like I'm going, I'm going to get hurt. And that's where my anxieties came from. Mm-hmm. And that panic, like that sort of panic response. Um, so I, 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 I link it back to the way I was brought up and that mm-hmm. sort of man-up culture and this sort of idea that it was unacceptable for me to cry in front of my dad and mm-hmm. it was unacceptable for me to be other than a football player or fighting, you know what I mean? Like I remember that. getting a slap in the back of the head for greeting at my granny's funeral. Aye. Great guy. 12 or 13, it was, a, it was one of the funny slaps, but it wasn't funny because it was a, even though the person was laughing, Aye. I always think about that. I was not allowed to greet my granny's funeral. That's, that's a weird one. Like, like, can I stop greeting you? It's a kind of thing like language, I don't know. The missus was watching... Uh, our Christmas and New Year, all the episodes are only fools and horses, mm-hmm. howling, howling and laughing, and I'm going, you, that, you can't still find that funny. This, you know, this many years later, and she's going, it's not that it's funny, it's that you couldn't make this now. And I'm going, well, how's going? Because it's a totally different language, like the way they talk about corner shops and takeaways. It's East London, it's the eighties. You know what I mean? Like the lot of what we now qualify, like you say, racism. Aye, but you're saying like we have that thing now there where there's maybe that emotional abuse, but that's because that's how we qualify it now. It's no how we qualified it then. There's that kind of similar thing where we've now moved to a place where it's different now. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know if it is though. This is what I'm. I, I, I think that there's still a, a huge section of society that still thinks that that's how you bring your wings up Aye. is that there's nothing wrong with giving them a slap and I've always sort of struggled with people that have because I even thought that even a couple of years ago when mm. it was like getting your, your, your wings a wee slap in the arse it's not 
doesn't do anything to I've them. I've never raised my hand to the way, never. But it's been in this recovery process that I've started to realise, wait a minute, that's my whole thing. This mm. has been my whole fucking deal, mm-hmm. is that I get hit a wee bit, but ultimately I was petrified through my childhood. Mm-hmm. Do you, you didn't love your man, Dad? You were scared of them? It, it, aye, definitely. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like they loved me, I think, mm-hmm. which was part of like, because um, it's, it's all about me. It's not about them. Mm. It's it's about me and how I've reacted and how I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't that I didn't love them. I loved them. Like, I loved my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely no, no question about that. I didn't feel that they loved me. Mm-hmm. And so that's meant that I feel unworthy. So I've struggled with my relationships with women because mm-hmm. I don't feel like I deserve love and I've not received that as a child. Mm-hmm. So that's my story. Any time mm-hmm. it's come up and somebody's genuinely showed interest in me, I've sabotaged it, mm-hmm. either through behaviour or just running away from it. Just mm-hmm. absolutely petrified. I've been at my marriage in the last, I've been going through a big process the last three years. It's like me and Ashley were having a fight. I've just got up and walk out of the house and leave. I leave my wings, mm-hmm. stay my ma's and, and I burn my ma's and I'm like, oh, I'm better now, I feel better and when really I was kind of like, I'm not addressing the situation. Ah, you're out, you're out of the confrontation. Out, I'm running away from my problems. So now I'm, I'm back came and it's like, we have a fight now, we sit down, we speak about it. There's a bit of process. Yeah. But I was like that, my man and dad would just argue and split up. It always had two houses. So that was my learned behaviour. Mm-hmm. I'm just going, I'm just fucking run away. Yeah. I don't realise the wains are getting affected by that. Because mm-hmm. the wains are having to grieve their daddy leaving the house. Yeah. Every weekend we have a fight. And it was like, it got to the point when I thought, you know what? I'm probably damaging my wains by my behaviour. And that's mm-hmm. that's my big thing, anxiety. It's pretty sober and thought, man. Uh, you, you, need, you need to challenge it because it's not just it's not about, about me. It's just saying, Amanda, you felt like there was no, you loved them, aye, but you felt like every time you fucking breathed, they'd be shouting balling at you, aye, definitely. So that's I felt what like I my dad was my hero. Uh, my dad yeah. was my hero, and I felt like I wasn't good enough for him because <clears> he was always, don't be an idiot. <clears> Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that I'll tell you the one that I'd, I've had a few therapy sessions, and the one that stuck in my mind where it was like a breakthrough was um, he said to me one time, if I was just, if I was born the same age as you, I'd have bullied you. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I think I was nine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, what the fuck? Do you know what I mean? Aye. No, really, actually, like, was was like, I need to be tougher. Mm-hmm. I need to be a bigger man. To, I just like, didn't have the language to explain you could perceive that as a threat, couldn't you? Yeah. But it was like a threat. If my dad was oh, nine, he'd batter me. Aye, exactly. Because that's what he was saying to me, was mm-hmm. that I, I would... I would physically harm you if I was the same age as you but I'm too old to do it so I'm not going to do it do you know what I mean you're in there it's just so I like I, I take everything back to that I take mm-hmm. everything back to that upbringing um, and that East End sort of mentality getting dragged made to go to the house there was another time that, that had come up when I was getting therapy that was um, a guy had threatened me outside the house and my fear response kicked in because that's the way I responded and I ran into Naturally. the house my dad dragged me out made me basically made me beat the shit out of a guy because mm-hmm. I was always tall, I was always big, but I never really had the mentality to like get into fights. So I would always like shy away from them, but he made me fight this guy, made me beat the shit out of this guy. Mm-hmm. And it's always something that I always think about, even though I've spoke to people about it and they're like, I bet you won the fight. And I was like, aye, but I won, I lost the, the fucking point. war. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, I, I lost the battle, I, Exactly. Like, I, I didn't want. were right. Exactly. I should have just walked away for the fight, mm-hmm. but get forced to get back into it and mm-hmm. be a man. And you're like, I think at that point I was 11. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. this is where I take everything back to. And I think that when you talk to people, you always find that their ideas and their beliefs and their behaviours are built up for something that's been learned mm-hmm. When they were a child, yeah. when they were developing, and, and, well and these things hold on to as well. I got bullied at school off a guy, and I seen him about four years ago, longer than that. I just came out of the army, 
and I was in Tesco and the guy bullied me and it wasn't he, he didn't even touch me and he just he just bullied me just slagged yeah. me and threw stones at me and, and made sure that I couldn't be involved in the crowd when he was there <coughs> so I was genuinely terrified of the person for, for most of my childhood mm-hmm. and I seen him in Tesco one day and I went and got a bottle of vodka I was going to fuck it out of the back of his head <laughs> but he was like a, he was a full scale junkie and I was like somebody said something a few months ago and it triggered about how I felt about that guy hurt, hurt people hurt people yeah you know yep. what I mean? And I remember following about Tesco. He didn't know how clear who I was. I'm a bigger boy now, just at the army. But I was generally going to smash a bottle of vodka out of the back of his head. And, it, and I followed him for 20 minutes. And I'm like, I'm going to mold this fucking dafty. Aye. Because I'd changed it. As a wee boy, I was nice and placid and I didn't like fighting. And, mm-hmm. But now I thought there was anger inside me. And I, I, I remember feeling like, see if I had him in this, I'm just as bad as him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I left my hands to this guy, I'm, I became him. I became the monster that he was to me. Yeah. Yep. And I just walked away. But I remember feeling like a coward or. And it arrested me for days. I was like, I should go and find him again, go back to the shops and see where he stays. And it's fucking evil. It's a toxic chain of thought, isn't it? It's toxic, man. And you know what it's like with anxiety? Yeah. I think it's 10 times. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, I've changed as a person a lot through church and mm-hmm. through my wife. Like, I'm glad we're on now. Mm-hmm. But I became a right bad person. And I think that was because my mental health got on top of me. Mm-hmm. And it was just creating a fucking monster because I wasn't dealing with it. Aye. So, in terms of your, your mental health, like, is this something that's been with you all your life? Is this something that is... I don't, I don't know. It creeped up when I came out of the army. Mm-hmm. It came, I had a panic attack and then everything just fucking shitballed and rolled and how. And this but when I you... think about my childhood, I had a lot of trauma. I had mm-hmm. a loving man dad. Yeah. My, st- I know, no, my, my real dad's fucking... He left us, then he come back, but my stepdad covered that. He was a great guy and he was encouraging. And, mm-hmm. But my man dad, my mum's stepdad had a toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. So when I look back at my learned behaviour, the way I behave, it's like I identify the how they two behaved. Yeah. Even though they were loving and they were great and we'd go, one week we'd be through at the house, we'd been fucking sight hole, just slumming it and then mm-hmm. the next week we're back together again, we'd be in Florida. Yeah. So when you think of it like that, it's kind of fucked up a wee bit mm-hmm. with the, the two differences yeah. and the balance of your life. Aye. Getting left in my nana's all the time, sitting, I just, when, when you when you look back and in, in, in the days, that was fine. Mm-hmm. You got left with your granny for five, Aye. six days at a time but she's a wee boy, but I like my mammy. Yeah. I love my mama, you know what I mean? But I felt like you. Mm-hmm. just pushed away all the time so as, as somebody who's dealing with anxiety and as an ambassador to it, I've got to fix myself so the men I think about my past I'm like wait a minute this has been a problem that's came well before the army the deeper you go the more you find I and like I mean for me personally I was saying to you before we, we sort of started recording that I had a, a bout of anxiety recently that kept me at work for about four or five days now I don't have you know a particularly high pressure stress job or anything like that Um I can't imagine what it would be like to try and manage anxiety whilst sort of serving. Is that something that took you out of the army or is it? Is it just... Uh, I didn't have it in the army. No, just as afterwards, right. Aye, it was after, after I came out of the army, it came. Mm-hmm. I was in Thailand with my pal and, uh, and we were just boozing for about fucking eight days solid. And I remember I had a, a chest pain and I mocked him. I was taking drugs as well, but I said to him, I said, mate, I'm having a fucking heart attack. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, I have chest pains and all that and no, I started to sweat. I couldn't breathe. We're anti- in Thailand, you can buy stuff for the chemist. You can buy fucking anything. <laughs> a prosthetic leg, you know what I mean? Buy it, you man. And I bought a. I said to the woman, I'm, I'm struggling to breathe. Any asthma inhalers? Mm-hmm. Give me an inhaler, puff, puff, puff. No happening, you know what I mean? Still couldn't breathe. And I'm like, I'm having a heart attack, anxious to talk about it. And we went to the, the Bangkok hospital and I'm saying to the doctor, listen, I'm having a fucking heart attack. Mm-hmm. He said, How did you get here? I said, I ran. He went, You ran two miles. And uh, you think you're having a heart attack? That's it. And I'm like, ah, fucking, <coughs> I'm, I'm telling you, you know, chest pains, pins down my arm, can't breathe. Does the ECG? Your heart's completely fine. It's racing. 
does his chest x-ray mm-hmm. you've got indigestion <laughs> Oof. and that was obviously so that was it that was it indigestion created that whole panic and see because I experienced that panic mm-hmm. it never left me All right. so the anxiety kept in me I know mm-hmm. and then it just became a big fucking mm-hmm. tower of shite you know what I mean that I've had to crack away and, and lower and lower as I go along but mm-hmm. it's it's insane that that, that was that moment mate mm-hmm. too much booze and drugs yeah I think it's, it's it's funny as well it could have killed me because I wanted to fucking hang myself mm-hmm. you know what I mean I remember I came back came and I was like I'm not living like this wasn't he shifting yeah I'm like I just want to kill myself now so need to do something I about just didn't want to do it did any of your experiences in the forces compound no, at all? Enjoyed your time when you enjoyed were there? Enjoyed my time in the army, aye. My dad had, uh, my stepdad, I said dad, I mean him, he had bubble cancer and, uh, and he died. He didn't drink, he didn't smoke. He was a fucking powerfully strong man. Played golf five days a week. So mm-hmm. I think it was the trauma of him dying that, right. that set it off. And then I think all the all the stuff just creeped in, slice by slice. Mm-hmm. All this, all, and, and the more I thought about my life the more stuff fucking mm-hmm. so it was a trauma in losing him because I worked, when I came out the army I worked for him mm-hmm. I watched him die as well you know what I mean so if you love somebody so much and I did man and I agree when I think about him but yeah. it's just when you love somebody so much and you spend your whole life with him and he was my hero he was the my real dad but he stepped in and, 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 and treated me like his son mm-hmm. so to lose him was a big big part of it mm-hmm. But obviously, when I identified that trauma, all the other stuff came up. I thought my past and mm-hmm. yeah, you know what I mean. But it's just been that. Um, I, we spoke to somebody else about this, but this is something I've been learning about. Is so anxiety is almost like a bucket, mm-hmm. and if the more tiny wee anxieties go in, you don't you don't resolve them. Mm-hmm. Just builds up, builds up, builds up. Then all of a sudden, something big mm-hmm. or small can happen. It doesn't need to necessarily be a huge event like mm-hmm. the passing of a, a, like a close relative or. But one thing breaks the camel's back and then it's just, the bucket just spills out everywhere. Well, that's it, it's everywhere. Yeah. And I think that's what you've, mm. you, you've probably, like, that's what I experienced yeah. as well. Mine's was uh, addiction and the, the, the addiction, like destroying a relationship. And that's what was what caused, was the straw that broke my camel, my anxieties back. Mm. Um, but then everything else just folded it. Just everything that meant, that took me to that place. It was almost like a domino thing that happened. Like you're saying, the thoughts are, past relationships and experiences as a, as a teenager, times when people have mugged me off and I've not done anything about it, sitting in my bed just going, ruining my head, ruining my head, ruining my head, and it just causing this like fire burning in my belly almost, mm-hmm. and like you're saying, sometimes thoughts take him and you're just like, if I can't get rid of this man, I don't yeah. know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is, we, we've spoke to a guy, that uh, Dan Proverbs, that works with male suicide, and he says mm-hmm. that it's, it's impulsive and it happens in the moment, yeah. like, I'm just going to do this, and that scared me because I was thinking I've had I've had thoughts, and to think that one time I've had the thoughts I might have just acted on it, might have just went, do you know what, fuck it, I'm going to do this. Yeah, actually scared the life out of me, man, just thinking about that. Do you know what I mean? And it was that was one of the I mean that was what three months ago, something like four months yeah. ago. That was something that I took a lot through where I was like, I need to start evaluating everything. To make sure that I've not leaving any stone unturned here, like with mm. myself, so that I don't end up in that place again where I'm sitting thinking, how do I get control of this and feeling helpless? Do you know what I mean? Man, I had a thing in it. Sorry, mate. After my Glasgow show at the SSE, we all went out, had a drink. I hadn't been feeling good the week before it. Just feeling shit. My mental health wasn't great. Oh, they had two shows the one day. Not sure there, but that's fine. Two shows the one day. One show in one week's hard enough for me. So to have two in the <laughs> one day was just. I felt like I was getting crushed, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But out and drank, as you do, when you drink with anxiety, things become worse and worse. Yeah. And then I remember just, you're talking about an impulse. 
me and my wife had an argument. I ran away, literally ran, physically ran away. And I was like, I'm fucking sick of this. Ended up in the motorway, right from myself front of a motor. And I just remember looking up and the, 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 both sides of the motorway was just fucking covered in police. I took back to my master's post, like, the boy's been fun. I was drunk. Mm-hmm. The boy's been found on the motorway and I remember. And the next day I was like, oh, just because I was drunk, I was fucking trying to have a shortcut. Yeah. I physically remember thinking, throw yourself. Yeah. And I was walking and I was like, I'm just going to throw my... And, and that's when I knew recently that I've had an issue because mm-hmm. I'm at the height of my career. I'm, my life's amazing. It's I've got money that I've never had before. And my family's great and... And still, because I wasn't addressing me a certain problem, the mm-hmm. impulse is so dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because of anxiety, it's, it's no, somebody who's not got anxiety, well, uh, when they get angry, they'll go from zero to one to two to three to four. Mm-hmm. And with me, it's zero to a hundred. Not that I'm aggressive. I'm never, I'm never left my hands to anybody. But it's it's just in my, my, my mentality, the impulse in my head. It's like, even I kind of stand at a train station and I'm having a shit day. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've got that. I'm just going to fucking throw myself right and it's... That's not healthy, and that's something I'm trying to deal with now. Yeah, I genuinely can't. If I'm having a bad day, I won't get a train, mm-hmm. and it's no bullshit in front of a camera or try to dramatise no, it. Absolutely not. I genuinely can't trust myself. I think sometimes I've got that impulse where I'm like, I'm just going to fucking go. Those, those intrusive thoughts are definitely something that I've had experiences myself, so mm-hmm. I can relate to what you're saying. I mean, I find that I've struggled most, ironically, when I've tried to consciously confront what's going on with me it's almost as if it fights back against you sometimes and kind of similar to yourself there was a, a time I was actually on my way to the GPs to start a course of antidepressants and I was crossing the, the bridge at Royston Road going towards Proven Mill Road and I found myself mentally I was still walking to the doctor but physically I was stunning over this motorway bridge looking down and it was like almost 30 seconds before my brain and body were back in the same place. And I was like, I don't even, I could have done something there and not even been aware that, that I was like 200 yards outside my front door. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so as you say, that disconnect and that kind of like urge, that intrusive thought is something that isn't bullshit because it's, it's exactly what I've experienced myself in the past as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think it's, it's a good thing that you've got the awareness to know that if you one, you've got the awareness that you're having a bad day because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people, especially like myself and a lot of people that I've spoke to, it's almost like they, they've been living with anxiety but they don't know they're anxious. It's just they're like, that was just the way I was. And then somebody had said, it described anxiety. So this is what happened to me. Somebody described their own experience with anxiety and I was like to myself, holy shit. Mm-hmm. That's just pretty much just described who I am. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel. But I feel like I'm normal. This is just my normal way of being. Mm-hmm. Is in this sort of like pent up ball and just worried about everything. I just thought that this is what it was to be an adult. And mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Like you're saying, telling myself, you need to man up here. Like mm-hmm. this is what it, this is what life I is. Shake it off. Do you know what I mean? Um the the one story that stuck with me was the one that Dan tells is where the guy had threw himself off the Kingston Bridge or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he survived. And he said that the first thought that went through his head as soon as he jumped was, I don't want to die. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck. Can you imagine if that's what your last sort of bit is? Is I'm making a mistake is here? I've made a mistake and there's no way I can back. So I, I, that story, for me, I don't know if it helps anybody else, but I, that has always been something that takes the edge off of the thoughts for me because I've always thought, I really do want to live. Mm-hmm. And changing that sort of impulsive thought into a, an opportunity for me to sit down and really solidify why I want to be alive, do you know what I mean? Um, 
So I think stories like that are really important. Stories like you've just told, like you've just told as well, Gary. Like I Your think it's really important for people to hear mm-hmm. that because the amount of people that have come up to me since we've started doing this podcast and saying, sitting listening to somebody else describe how I'm feeling mm-hmm. has done me nothing but the world of good. It yep. made me talk to somebody else. And if, mm-hmm. even if it's only one or two people, I'm fucking well happy with that. Do you know no, what I mean? Exactly. I've seen guys at the group who've came and have come into the group with shells, just kind of fragile and scared and... And some of these guys now are just confident, and, and yeah. it's just you just sharing your problem. It's fucking powerful, yeah. <laughs> and that's why the group's good. A lot of the guys will say it's good that we've got the group. I don't, even though I set up the group and I and I open the group, I don't see myself as running the group. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, like yesterday I said to Big Kai, my best pal, he's, I met this guy through the group. It's just fucking absolute bromance, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? If, me and my wife split up. I'm going to marry him, mate. <laughs> I love the guy to death. But it's like I said, to Kyle, you start, mate, because. When Kai came in, he, he didn't feel as confident, but mm-hmm. now he's just he's just a powerful guy, man, and he's just I don't mean powerful, he's, he's a big man manning up. He's just no. he's when he speaks, you, you listen to him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He's just he's such a good communicator, and it's like I love him starting the group now because it's like oh, and it's I get motivation and, and encouragement after him, mm-hmm. even though I start the group. Yeah, and it's like oh, Gary, and it's like I'm looking at him because I'm like. It's, it's truth for me. It's just Aye. the way he speaks, and it's just like you know what, identify. It. And it, the good thing with the group is, is like as it goes around the group, you kind of see guys going, ah, shaking their head, and you just know they're identifying it's something that's getting said. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things being anxiety is if you've not got any pals, you've not got it. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's normal, what's no normal. Yeah, like we've just all sat and spoke about suicide. But when you speak about that in the pub to a pal, no, because a no, pub would go, you need to get a fucking help, you need to get sectioned or something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. But to us, we all go, ah, I feel like that and on. So that's why the group, the sharing factor, it's so powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, what was it that first inspired you to then create the group? I mean, or I went to, to get help. I was going to kill just, myself. Just that. I went to the doctor's eye. I was just, I was very, there's, there's that intuition where you're going to jump. But I remember starting to plan it in my head. Mm-hmm. Starting to think about writing notes and leaving videos for the wains and, mm-hmm. and building money up and doing it. Right. And I thought, you know what? I'm not fucking doing this to my family. Mm-hmm. And I went to the doctor's and I says, listen, I don't want antidepressants. I don't like them. I don't like them. They subdue me. I don't know how... If, if they if they help you take them because mm-hmm. they're there for a reason yeah. yeah but I'm totally against it for me as a person like, yep. it, it, it makes me feel groggy and feel worse right. mm-hmm. so I said to the doctor I want to speak to somebody and he's like right it's 12 weeks to an assessment mm-hmm. and I'm like alright is, is the assessment and he went no if, after assessment there's a waiting list as well so my, the assessment is just to get you assessed yeah but already know I've got fucking anxiety I'm totally killing myself you know what I mean so, if you're in crisis 12 weeks bonkers. isn't it good to anybody so I that? thought you know what there's some guys that haven't got 12 hours I'm going to set up a group and even if my group had one guy coming here, I'd be fucking happy. Yeah. See, if I was sitting myself, I'm still going to be there every week. Yeah. If I physically can be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just about getting one guy out of voice. Some of the weeks we've got eight guys, some yep. we've got 20 guys, then it's just such a powerful environment where it costs absolutely fuck all to set up. I mean, if I chipped in, it'd be 25 pence each. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. It just shows you how, like, how easy it is. What you, you can do. I mean? 25 can pence do. just to talk to somebody and say, and there's no judgment. You don't That's go in the that. group. There's no, you don't get to go and go right. There's some cases I, I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. But there's some cases where guys speak about stuff that you see in the papers, mm-hmm. and it's happened to them. And and you're like, do you know what? He probably couldn't say that to his family. No. And I'll talk to the black and never talk to my family about that. They wouldn't believe me. Mm-hmm. But in this group, there's no judgment. We're just all right. Like big man, get get your story out, share it. How are you feeling? Good. And and there's nobody butts in when you're talking. It goes right around the group and then we have like an informal chat after it. So you share whatever you want to share. Yeah. There's times I'll be sitting bawling my fucking eyes out, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. somebody's talked about a tragedy in their life or yeah. something that I can identify to. 
So just being able to greet, you're sitting greeting in front of guys, it's fucking, there's a guy in the group, it's XSAS. He's sitting greeting and you're like, oh, fucking hell, the big man can greet. I'm going to greet now. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm encouraged to greet. And it's just, the, the group's been a, a, as a lifeline for me. Mm. You know what I mean? Yesterday I went and I was just a whole fucking, on the surface, everybody sees me as overachieving and, and having a good family and a life. But see inside, I'm fucking, I'm just like, I can't wait to get out of this group. I can't wait to share how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And then after the group, a few of the boys were like, I go for a walk. Then we just went a walk for two hours and just all talking. It's brilliant to have that community. I think mm-hmm. that's, you know, as much as it's important to talk and you can do that on a one-on-one basis mm-hmm. with friends and other ones, but actually having like a community of mm-hmm. people who are all there for each other is something that has A lot of the boys fought numbers as well. Yep. There's a lot of the guys that are talking to each other outside away from me. Mm-hmm. So there's we all, five years went for dinner on the 27th. Barney the boy just having a tough time, split off his wife, away from his Wayne, on yep. his own Christmas, and, and we said, listen, let's all meet up, and this is what's good about it, because it's became a support environment, yep. mm. we all went to Cosmos for a buffet, you know what I mean, the guy was laughing away, and he said yesterday, he's like, I don't know why they had buffet, he was coming out, because he's mm-hmm. lonely, the guy's missed his, this is yeah. the first year in 10 years, he's had his wife in, in Wayne, and it's just, uh, and they're there for me, like, at the end of the group, yep. so, that's the nice bit of it, is there's a, a support element, yep, so it's not like, oh, I'm not sitting my notepad and pen going, like, you've got five minutes, time you go. If <laughs> right. you want to speak for two hours, the way you physically throws at the building because yeah. nobody's moving to <laughs> yeah. everyone. And it's, it's a, you're talking 20 big guys, Aye. you know what I mean? Nobody's picking that fight. The, the, Janny's, not, the Janny's not going to go and pick a fight with us because they get tied up, you know yeah. what I mean? And he'll need to share an odd yeah. anxiety about him. Aye. Um, I'd be on a shoot your group, man, because honestly, see, as soon as I start <clears> fucking going, it's, it's and like, good, shut mate. the fuck up. There's some guys that open their mouth, mate, and you're like, ah, fucking wow. You look at somebody and you go, you look amazing, confident, good looking guy. Mm-hmm. And then you listen to their story and you think, just shows you, man, everybody's got a problem. Absolutely, man. Mm-hmm. And it's so brave to, and I'm proud of the guys that come, and it's hard to come first time. A lot of guys, and you're proud when they come and they chat, or they, they don't need yeah. to talk. There's some guys in the group that don't talk at all. They'll talk after that. Yeah. But they won't share their problems. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they'll tell me I'm getting, I'm getting better, I'm feeling better, and and they'll hopefully get there eventually. You know what I mean? Like, it's got to be something that will make a difference. To but them I would in encourage time. people if somebody's got better anxiety and, and they want to set up a group just contact the page why then you set it up I'll even give you the fiver to do it <laughs> <laughs> so see in terms of obviously like we were saying earlier on there are a number of like other stand-ups and you know comedians whatnot that have similar issues is this something that I mean I've seen clips seen bits and bobs but I've never actually seen like a you know a full set or anything is this something that you use as material is it something that you steer away from when you're on stage and your own stuff I'll try and say that I'll, I'll talk about I used to tell the story about Bangkok mm-hmm. I ran to the hospital I'd done a gig in the stand and it was a pupil anxiety and I was like oh who's got anxiety and all the dudes went like, you're not going to die <laughs> so it was like a bit of banter but you couldn't do it a normal gig no, you know what I mean and no. it's, uh, but I, I stayed away for that and my stepdad I can't no. talk about him because I started to tear up and of fucking, course there's nothing worse going to see a comedian he's done bawling his fucking eyes at greeting you know mm-hmm. what I mean but, no, of course I think it's something I build myself up to. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's the way forward. But uh, uh, I'm lucky because I've not had a, my rise. Mm-hmm. I've not had somebody, an agent say to me, right, this is your, your rise. You've done well. Mm-hmm. I've, I've done this with people. People follow that page and, and support yep. me. So that's why I'm so opened because the journey we've done together, I don't see them as fans or followers. I see them as friends. Yeah. They've, they've put me in this platform. So it's like, I, I've got a, I've got a, a, a what do you call that? 
I've got a purpose to, to, to be open to people. Yeah. To help people. I've seen that quite uh, sort of relevant and uh, prevalent in when you were sending out your DVDs to folk mm-hmm. uh, before Christmas there. And I think you were, you, you got somebody for Postal and you were pure. Winding them up. Uh, you were giving them the pure eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember, was it the or whatever it was you were bamming them up when I was that way? Like, that's quite a personal connect, a connection that mm. uh, you don't see in other sort of mainstream the, action. I went for the like, jewel, for Low Moss. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, no, I hope this wasn't banked. You know what I mean? To get it, you know, a big square disc. But I signed every disc for that purpose Aye. because it was like I thought that was pretty cool. I signed the polyphene. I didn't realise people were up to half it. <laughs> but it course. was fourteen hundred I sent out, so and I had a day to do it. Writer's but card. I just wanted that personal touch just to say Aye. like thanks. You know what I mean? And and that so that's how it's given me the courage to be so open about myself. I guess people people deserve that. People deserve the good and the bad. Yeah. It's a journey and I want people to be on that journey. I don't want it just to be, oh look at me, I'm doing well. Mm-hmm. Instagram life, you know what I mean? Bottle yeah. of champagne, chick salads. But Aye. really it's not, it's kebabs and greeting, you know what yeah. I mean? So <laughs> people need to see that side to it as well. So I'm probably a freak of nature when it comes to like being a Z lister or whatever they call it because I'm just, I'm, and I'm never going to change. Mm. I'm never going to change. You I'm did a couple to, of massive gigs. I mean, I, um, I'd never heard of you. Mm-hmm. I, I'd actually seen the men's anxiety group. That was what me. then <laughs> seen made. I, I'd seen that you were uh, doing a gig in Armadillo, mm-hmm. um, and I, I always find it really strange. I'm finding it. It's happening more and more as the the sort of traditional ways of getting yourself out there or just mm-hmm. getting shut off to people, and they're finding their own ways. Guys like Jerry Cinnamon, mm-hmm. for instance. I mean, he's fucking massive. And that guy's not got a record deal, uh, and yeah. like you don't have an agent, and you're selling out the fucking all, t- two I've shows. I've got an agent now, but it's one of my pals. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you want a yeah. job? He runs the emotions. Uh, uh, he had the promotions company, and I said to him, "Go and get a horn," because I couldn't finance the big venues, but I had the follow, I had the belief in the following that yeah. I'd sell them out. So he kind of stepped up at the very the tail end of it there. But my team's brilliant; they know what I'm going through. It's a good and, and Jerry's Jerry's amazing as well because that indie feel in it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I sent the DVDs in my kitchen. That isn't a joke. Literally fucking, and I brought on the back made in Springburn. You yep. know what I mean? Because they were made in Tory Glen. They're printed in a guy's garage, like a fucking illegal <laughs> Chinese factory. You know what I mean? And then <laughs> and I hand wrapped them on. It was sure. just, but it's, Gary it's, Fold's cottage industry. I think I think people love that that kind of that raw feel. I think it uh, makes a connection. Uh, we thought we had the similar thing with David Blair as well. Mm-hmm. The guys at the Colonel Muston and Dijon Five. Oh, their mm-hmm. connection to their fans is insane. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, but again, they're a kind of grassroots, similar to yourselves, just kind of out there doing their own thing and, and sort of reaping the benefits. But they're just like ginger people that like me, fat guys <laughs> with brown hair. You know what I mean? Like, I met him. He's a good guy. Aye. He dropped me off actually after the, the Bungard podcast. All oh, right. He dropped his off and it just it is. It's just Scottish is so Scotland is so talented. And you need to, it's like Lee Griffiths, we need to support these people. Yeah. Because they're still a sportsman in our nation. And we've got to, this guy could, if this guy was supported right, he might be a bit more open. Mm-hmm. Aye. I mean, if yeah. we weren't all fucking shutting him down and slagging him and, and writing memes about him, he might actually open him up and go, right, I've got him mental health or anxiety and yeah. this is what I'm doing to better. That mm-hmm. could be fucking game changing for these fans. Yeah. People who look up to him. Absolutely. But yet society's getting every fucking crack in the cranny and trying to shut him down. You know, that one, one of the, the nation's leading strikers at an international level as well. I mean, right. one of my favourite goals, mate, is scored against England. I was going to say, kick, just scored two, two free kicks against England, and like in that game, looked like a world class player. Mm. And it, when it came out with the, the mental health, and, the, and uh, Brendan Rogers was talking about that he was struggling with mental mm. health issues, I genuinely thought this will be what's going on with this guy because I've always wondered how can this guy go through one week looking like a world class player and next week looking like he's mm. not interested, and it's probably 
he's it's happening yeah. on his head and he's it's not that he's not interested it's just that he doesn't understand what's going on in his brain mm-hmm. and he can't motivate himself because he's definitely got the talent like you're saying Scotland's really talented something that I've noticed about Jerry is I mean I was in bands and I was a musician for years and I don't I'm, I wouldn't consider myself a fan of Jerry Cinnamon's music when listening to it and it's undoubtedly good but it's not the type of thing that I'd listen to but I'd support that guy 100% Yeah. and I've been in, on tour with bands where you're looking at them and you're going I think these are a bit shite but mm. I'm still going to support these because we're in this together do you mm-hmm. know what I mean it's not about the quality of your art it's just the fact that you're out there doing that mm-hmm. and I want to support that because I want to do that and I want you to support me and then we go around and just like a big massive support. I love uh, I love Jerry's stagecraft He's he's, he's amazing life. He's amazing uh, life. He's absolutely outstanding life. Just no. I would love I would love a live music, I would love I mean? a live al- a live album because uh, you get that whole. I would do it in Liverpool. I got two tickets. I've one of my fans. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Do I take Jerry's in Liverpool?" And I was like, "Fuck it, the day before." And yeah. We all went down, and uh, that was a big thing. Going in a big crowd, being in the crowd. Sorry, we were on stage, but seeing them in a crowd, I go, "Can oh, I fuck here we go?" Anxiety's kicking in. But I just remember standing watching him with tears down my face. Like, I can't believe he's Scottish. Nah, it's fucking it's unbelievable what the guy's <laughs> doing, man. It's Flair's unbelievable. Gone off, it's know, like, he's just... captured that whole sort of football culture that started uh, to come up and that sort of 90s lad thing that's happening. Mm. And he sounds like that as well. Do you mm. know what I mean? And he looks the part. And and also, he, he's a genuinely fucking good guy. Uh, he's, not, he's not a prick. Do you know mm. what I mean? He's not there being the big I am he's very uh, humble if you meet him and speak I like to him he's, he's, also, he's also really wary of like touting and stuff guy. like that for his gigs he wants to make sure folk are getting face value tickets I've and all that kind of stuff you know what I mean like, at Viva Gogo right. I sell them my tickets 15 <clears> quid a ticket I'm going to blow that don't buy any fucking I'm not worth 15 quid an <laughs> 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 absolute cunt you know what I mean uh, <laughs> it's like legalised touting I, I think uh, the worst one I got was I was trying to see Prince and I was on the, you know, Hydro website or whatever it was, it was 120 quid. And I'm like, right, do you know what? How, how many times am I going to get to see Prince? Let's oh, just yeah. do this. Sold out. Half an hour later, you're on one of these, whatever it is, get me in. And it's like £250. And you're like, they just, and it's like, Ticketmaster. You know, like they've sold tickets to themselves to double the price. And you're like, that's not cool. But I love the guys like, you know, say Jerry and that have got their fans It's not fair in you're following, I don't think. It's not fair because, and it's not fair on the artist. Because Prince wouldn't have got that 250 quid. No, no, absolutely not. That's an economy that's created oh, yeah. to give Ticketmaster an extra fucking bung. It's, it's got like, nothing to do with it. It's like buying artists. a DVD and copying 10 of them and selling another 10. Yeah. Uh, that's what you're doing. It's the exact same thing, but they've yeah. been caught out, haven't they? The Ticketmaster's changing now. calls, I'm pretty sure, for that getting really? me in. Uh, because they, they looked at it and it turns out that it's no people, that it's mm-hmm. just them that's mm-hmm. doing it. And mm-hmm. it's like bots. So, like, look, ro- uh, autom- automated. And they're watching the buying. Yeah. Because it happened to me with the Armadillo. And it came up saying almost sold out. And I'm like, a fucking dancer. <laughs> I mean, just like, no, mate, you've still got a thousand seats on the sale yet. And I'm like, you bastards, you know what I mean? Aye, but aye. Well, they thought they're trickling out the tickets to sort of me, ramp up the demand. Mm-hmm. So when's that? November? November the 2nd. Aye. November the 2nd. I'm going to month half after that. I've had a <laughs> month after nice now, but it's been brutal. It's like you were saying at the start of the podcast. When you, sorry, but you're busy and you're grafting. As soon as you take time off and sit back, you're kind of mm-hmm. like, the fuck am I supposed to do? Aye. When you're that's not focused bottom. elsewhere. That's another thing that I've had to learn is learning how to uh, relax, mm-hmm. chill out. No, because I, I I had like I had done that thing where I was like, right, Monday I'm at uni, Tuesday I'm at jujitsu, Wednesday I'm at Muay Thai, Thursday mm-hmm. I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing that, and then you really got to take a wee date to myself, and then you sit down and you go, I don't want to take a date to myself. Sure yeah. I, <laughs> I don't feel right. I don't feel right doing this. And, but you need that time. You need mm. to be able to relax so that you can re-energise yourself to go again. Do you know what I mean? I think that I went that... a walk in Cyprus and I was one of those. I have a wee day off just sitting chilling about. Mm. Ten minutes I was on the couch and I'm like, oh, fuck this. 
backpack on, shorts on, t-shirt on, and I done a wee kick, she like a wee Mary Poppins kick, <laughs> going out the door, and I was like, she's fucking brilliant, cut about myself, and mm-hmm. it's so important, you, you do quality stuff for yourself, yep. not just sat in the house. Yeah, that's what I was I was going to say, is that mm-hmm. you you can do stuff, like, it's not just about sitting about and doing fuck all, and mm-hmm. eating a Domino's, and getting stoned, or whatever it is that you want to do, and sitting, it's like this Netflix, mm-hmm. just watch 12 hours of Netflix, and nothing goes in, because your brain's just occupied with what's going on, mm-hmm. like, in general. Um, I you need to go and do things that make you feel good. I've, I've found that that's the way I've learned how to relax, is that I love reading. I've discovered, I hadn't read a book in probably between the ages of 18 and 30. Mm-hmm. When I was 30, I was like, oh, fuck, I love reading. Surprise, surprise, so now I read. Whereas somebody might think, well, that's no really relaxing. You're still learning, you're still... But that's what I want to do. This is what I want to do. I'm keeping myself ticking there. And it also means that I don't get used to sitting about doing nothing. Because when once you get used to sitting about doing nothing and being static, it's so hard to get yourself going again. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's you a, need to have a standard in your life where you I've got a standard, a new one that I put in my life, and it's my phone's off at half nine at night. And I, I sit my wife for a nearly half watched a film. Like mm-hmm. I do the exact same thing, man. Eight I hate sitting on my phone now, seeing all the social media, and it's like negative this, negative this, and the really Griffiths thing. Yeah. That fucking rattled me. Mm. So I know thing is like I'm going to put that to eight o'clock now. Mm-hmm. Eight o'clock now I'm going to be like, alright, phones off in the draw. That makes that same mate. I, I set my alarm at eight mm. o'clock and I put my phone aside and the only time that I that I I look at it is if it goes. Mm-hmm. Um and it's only WhatsApp that I, I leave on everything else mm-hmm. just gets switched off the notifications mm-hmm. and the amount of benefit that I've seen for that's incredible. I've also started noticing in the last week actually that getting out of my bed, waking up, I meditate for twenty minutes and I go for a shower and then I come out. And looking at my phone mm-hmm. is actually no doing me any good because mm-hmm. that, like you're saying i got i'm massive on twitter i love twitter but twitter is just so negative and it just feeds this negativity inside oh, the yourself, cuts are born in twitter aren't they like yeah. i love facebook i'm pro facebook but twitter i just like that calling the vegans called me virgins. i thought that was funny but it's just I like a, a whole society of people so outrage about it sort of as like, 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 nobody <laughs> actually cares about vegan it's like almost like you know outrage on cue a lot of them you know what i mean right. where especially you know where all the stuff is going brexits and trumps and all these other things like it's just constant outrage and like that a can he be genuine and can he be sustainable for people and i think switching off is definitely the right thing i mean me personally i don't use my phone a lot during the day because i'm at work and i like to when i'm at work focus on what i'm doing at work and that helps me a lot um but at night time i smoke outside the house don't smoke in the house cause of the way and i will find myself scrolling through but in recent after conversation in recent weeks i've definitely been like right half nine ten o'clock like just you know turn the phone out of you because i've found myself almost kind of like hooked as much as i'm not getting involved in these conversations but you're, as soon as you read that it's in your head aye, aye. and if i'm you like pick up your mm. phone as soon as you wake up some of that bastards <clears throat> cheated on me or they fucking punched me in the face yeah you, you start getting the feelings that's a shame you punch in the face and then what you're doing is you've just let that in your life mm-hmm. you know what I mean so I like what you say sir. I might do that in the morning I'll look at my phone in the morning to try and get myself video. until at least 10 because mm-hmm. I, I got up at to wake up and- half 7 every morning and I'm and I'm usually the first I'd look at my phone I've meditated and I've had my shower and I'm ready it's like 20 past 8 and that's not so I try and leave it to 10 to know going twitter or facebook i or tried Instagram, that meditation you know I mean? it was the megahertz it was like the the, 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 tone. the buddhist bowls oh. 81.5 and megahertz. i woke up i woke up slabbered in my face i was that was amazing amazing <laughs> 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 it must be the, the therapy before it triggered something right. i was just sitting I, 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 like i was i wasn't sleeping but i was sleeping kind of mm-hmm. thing, uh, and i just went like slabbered in my face and i was like that was brilliant let's give me the you know what i mean <laughs> 
Uh, I love meditating. I mean, mm -hmm. I date twice a day. I date 20 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at night. I don't use, I have used healing tones and mm -hmm. um, the, the 160 and 81 megahertz and stuff, but I, I, I was just kind of like, well, didn't they do anything that headspace didn't they for you me? You ever tried Reiki? Uh, no, I haven't. I got free Reiki because the woman had seen in my anxiety page. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I felt like I was getting fucking shadowed by Spirit Witch. <laughs> Just hovering above me with a big stone. That's <laughs> an odd one. I was, actually, I was anxious as fuck because I was going to smash me on the back of with a stone and rape me or something, you know what I mean? Like, I wanted to get... <laughs> but she was brilliant. Oh, she was like, do you, do you feel better? Like, the, the energy, I took all the energy out of you and I'm like, aye, 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 aye. aye you're not going to go now. We're out and got our own chips, you know what I mean? That was fucking bizarre. <laughs> well, through my, through, I, I had a turning point uh, about six months ago where I was talking in class. So when I'm going to uni, they... they they actively promote you speaking and we do uh, fake or called triads we do mm -hmm. fake sessions with each other but you're encouraged to be speaking the truth mm -hmm. so if you've got something that's going on in your life talk about it mm -hmm. and you actually get something for it it's really good actually like even though it's sort of like role play you get lost in it first 30 seconds is a bit awkward mm -hmm. but then 30 seconds and you're just like Pfft, and then the person gets an opportunity to mm -hmm. try and shine a light on some of the stuff that you're saying um and I, I actually get the opportunity to go with my lecturer and I was telling him about what had happened was is I'd injured myself, I'd injured my shoulder doing jiu-jitsu and it meant that I was out for six weeks and it, it was the end of my world. I was in my bed, I was like, what the fuck am I going to do here? My diet went to fuck, everything just went, just as soon as I had this one thing, this injury, and I was talking to him about this struggle and he really had a call to me, he was like, it sounds like you're trying to make things outside you, make your inside feel better mm -hmm. and you need to put some more work into making your inside better for so that you can enjoy these things that you're actually talking about because he was saying to me you don't doesn't it sound like you enjoy them it sounds like they're a chore mm -hmm. that you're going to these things because you know that it'll make you feel better mm -hmm. you're not doing it for any sort of take a tablet enjoyment exactly and it was that idea that nothing outside of you is going to make your inside feel better so let's talk about how we can make your inside feel better mm -hmm. like what's going on in your head when you're you're thinking about jujitsu so I was think I used to be a bigger guy. I was thinking I'm gonna put weight on, mm -hmm. right? I'm gonna go backwards in my martial arts. I don't want to do that. And then it was all it, it just descended down to this whole thing. It's like that nah, you're a piece of shit, man. Like that's it's your fault. You get injured. No, you can't do this. You're a fucking idiot. And it was just that whole going back to my dad. You're an idiot. Mm -hmm. You need to be a bigger guy. You need to be this. You need to be that. And it was just all of that going on in my head. That was and so. What, what is it you studied, you know? Uh, cognitive behavioural therapy. That's amazing. No, I, I read up in something called the empty chair theory. Okay. And that really helped me with my dad. Mm. Like, Talk to the empty I chair. I never got to say cheerio. I spoke to the chair and fucking, and I'm like, that's a lot of shite. Mm -hmm. See, within about three minutes, I'm bogging my eyes out. No. I just, it well, so that, see what I said earlier on. I said a bit earlier on, can't remember the context, it's about you. Mm -hmm. It's not about, so we sit and we tell ourselves, this guy's done that or mm -hmm. that guy's done this and they've done this and I don't get the opportunity to say X, Y and Z to this person and now they're going, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. But the, 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 the reality is is that that's about you. Mm -hmm. So what are you not doing? You're not letting it out. Mm -hmm. Just go and let it out. It's like that idea, like write, an, write a letter, don't send it. That works, man. That seriously works. If you're feeling a strong emotion towards a certain individual because they've done something. It isn't because they've done it, it's the way that you've took it. Why well, the boys my group will talk about that? The, the, the letter thing? Mm -hmm. Right, right. They wrote a letter and just set it in fire. Aye, don't send it to anybody. But it was, like, it was aimed at somebody who hurt him in his life and it was fucking... And he's like, I, I didn't suggest that to him. Mm -hmm. He told me about it and he's like, I just fucking lifted it right off my life. Yep. But so that's what the group's good for because you get things like that. People mm -hmm. talk about it, the chuffy. Right, aye, so you get see, like CBT's always a favourite. 
Let's all get stoned. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not what CBT is, mate. No, no definitely. <laughs> You're smoking weed, that's right, what right. that is. <laughs> One of the things that's, that's came came to me as well is that CBT is almost like we band-aid. Mm. So people will go and they'll have five sessions because it doesn't really go any further than that. Five or six sessions of CBT gain you a wee bit of sort of rationalisation of your thoughts. And mm. why do you feel like this? Why do you feel like that? But if you've got something underlying, uh, like I did, my relationship with my parents or somebody's broke your heart 10 years ago and you've never really got error. it, mm. you kind of need to go back and put nails in the coffins. Mm. And the only way that you can do that, because you can't go back and let's find this last year when I was 17, you can't really do that. The only way that you can actually do it for me is to let it go. And to let it go, you need to let it out. Mm. So to let it out, that's where the empty chair theory comes in. That's where writing letters, journaling, mm. um, just getting your emotions out there, man. Even talking to somebody, like somebody that's unrelated, just sitting down and just saying, this person done me wrong and just get it all out. Mm -hmm. It's so powerful. It is so, so powerful. Um, but changing the way you think and changing the way that you um, perceive things is a massive, massive step in the right direction, but it doesn't fix stuff for people. And what will end up happening, in my opinion, is, is that something else will come up and they'll just go back. Mm. They'll, they'll re revert again, back yeah. to where they were because they haven't actually done anything to like square the circle. See, I like to be saying about the bucket, just letting wee drips in at a time. It's going to build up. So that's how I'm like, see if something comes up, it gets dealt with in 24 hours. Definitely. Yeah. So, so you're saying about talking to, flight, talking to like, your missus? Uh, yeah. like, I used to just, in previous relationships, and even at the start of the relationship I'm in just now, we'd have an argument, I would sit and be like, fucking bastard, listen, bastard. Mm. In my head, wouldn't say it because I'd be like, this isn't that big a deal. Yeah. But no realising that by doing that, what I'm doing is just telling myself, your emotions are unacceptable mm -hmm. and she's right and you're wrong mm -hmm. and don't bring this up to MD when what you said, don't run away from it. Mm -hmm. Just sit down and go, here's how I'm feeling. She'll tell you how you're feeling. Completely change the game. Because if you're, if you're getting shit in your home, outside the street's going to be horrible. Yeah. So my home's my safe place, my foundation's in my life. And my wife is the most important per person in my life, by my mm -hmm. means, but even having her understand it, is, it was it was a completely different atmosphere. And it was after the, after my gig, all that happened, and I mm -hmm. phoned her up, and she says, what the fuck happened here? Because my mom phoned her, what the fuck you done to my son? Is Paulus back to jail, and we've been on the waterway. And, mm. and she's like, what's going on? And I broke down and told her properly what was going on. And it was something that I could have just said to her, go and do that. Or tell me, and it's something so simple that I didn't deal with. But just having that, that ability and courage to say to somebody, going to just, if I say this or say that, going to get some support. Mm -hmm. And people want to support you, they don't actually see you fucking no. kill yourself. Absolutely not. But, uh, I think it has got to have a knock on effect on your relationship in general, because I find as well that I've always struggled for my teen years through with depression. My realisation about anxiety have been a, a relatively new thing. And then having the conversation with my partner about the difference between the two, you know what I mean? Because like, it, it's not just you take a pill and it goes away, as we've mm -hmm. discussed, you know what I mean? Like, I think I was always really wary about actually describing what the anxiety was like. And when we did, we had that, as you say, that sort of clear communication between each other, better understanding. But then that bleeds out into your relationship where you become more open in other areas about your emotions, That's not just about your anxiety. Right. And I think it's something that has brought me and her immensely closer together than we ever were. You know what I mean? Like, something similar happened to me. We done uh, <clears throat> Obviously, my anxiety was a big problem, but there was obviously characteristics I had as a man that was ill-fitting for my relationship mm -hmm. that had to change the lust liking Lassie's pictures on Facebook, all things that was hurting my wife, but I didn't see it any different because I thought that was normal. 
So because I was so opened that we've started getting marriage counselling, mm-hmm. and that's just opened a whole new can of whippers to the marriage, and the marriage is just fucking thriving. And it's because we've got that courage to address things. Mm-hmm. It was funny because we went in the first day of the marriage counselling, they're like, write things, write some stuff, then you do what your partner does. So my wife's an absolute princess, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, it's like two things, she farts on it, or <laughs> she, she, she doesn't make me food, and I always have to cook, you know what I mean? And, and I'm like, oh, these two things, and then she put hers out, and it was like a fucking scroll, you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, I'm such, such a fucking shit guy, but it was so good because it was all wee things that I could go, right, don't like people's pictures on Facebooks. Like her anxiety. Yeah. Because she would go and see Gary liked this picture. And it's but I'd just be liking pictures just to fucking to show people I'm on the, I've got their attention. Yeah. But things like that, and it, it's good because when you address a problem, it helps a problem. Mm. Doesn't necessarily mean you address a problem, it, it creates another fight, it doesn't mm-hmm. it? it addresses it and you can move forward in your life. Exactly. And I'm preaching for the I think if you, I if if you were to go back five you're in mm. one of your mates was to come you and go, oh, I'm going to marriage counselling with my mm. missus. You'd be like, oh, what? You're sticking up in them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Try bag. Get back in the strippers, hurry up. <laughs> that's it, man. Like, it's almost like it's been like a point of weakness. And mm. this is this is part of, like, I think that although it's based on profit in America, this is where they get things right because they encourage people to go and talk and they, mm. they, they've they got a huge, I mean, if you want a therapist, you can get them like that. Like Aye, you just, it's amazing. They're everywhere. And the more facial speakers that are all great as well. Yeah. Like. It's all based on profit, whether or not you think that that's a good mm. thing or a bad thing. But I think that it's part of where we fail in, mm. in Britain. It's a British thing. It's this sort of stiff upper lip. Like, you don't share your, like, I can remember even my mom and dad, my dad saying to my mom, like, why are you telling people about your life? Mm-hmm. Like you, that's between me and you, and it's almost like that sort of like I don't share. Why are you sharing? But that's because he's ashamed of his behaviour. Do you know what I mean? That looking back, I, before I've became aware of my own thoughts and behaviours, I would have just thought that's the way you need to be. You be private, and you don't share your relationship. You don't. You don't ever let anybody see in. I was last... out with the marriage counsellor. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't fucking talk about that. the Facebook thing. Quite guarded. She's like, no, I need to because it's fucking. It's the whole point in being it's here. The reason I threw you at the house. And but see, when he spoke about it, I'm like, ah, that guy's got a point. You know what I mean? Like, and I've never done it again. Like, that's something so amazing. Simple. That's Aye. amazing. Like, if more people, I think that there's a lot of people out there that have got like really good relationships and really good um, like girlfriends, boyfriends, mm-hmm. and they just don't know how to deal with. It. They don't mm-hmm. know how to actually act. And like you're saying, gee up stupid shit like messaging people on Instagram, liking their photos, mm-hmm. just being a dick really, do you know sitting what I mean? Sitting on your like, game, Red Dead 2 at the end of the night for two hours and she's sitting there watching you playing a game, like, it's amazing because it'd be easier to split up with Ashley and just go about my life and be single and enjoy the fame, but she's, she's the core of my life and it's like, if I didn't have her, I'd be a fucking wreck. Yeah. And I, I love her as well, sex is amazing, she's a great person, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, she's got everything I look for in a woman, but my arrogance nearly pushed me away from her. Mm. And I'm just glad that I brought up the courage to go, right, I've been a bit of a dick here. Let's say sorry and never date again. And it's just overpowering, you know what I mean? That's brilliant, man. Refreshing to hear, man. That's, that's, we've went over an hour, we've got about an hour and 15 minutes, mate. Like, <laughs> I've had a, this has been a great conversation, man. I really yeah. enjoyed talking to you, man. You're Thank some you. guy. Thanks for having me too. You no, at all, man. It's been great. Some, you've got great energy. Do you want to just tell people where they can find you? Find me at Gary Falls, comedian on Facebook, Gary Falls on Twitter, garyfalls.co.uk. Uh, from my website and my anxiety groups every Saturday at Burmullock Community Centre and Library at one thirty. it's free you don't need to tell me you're coming just turn up and get help super mate thanks Excellent. again buddy no, thanks best luck with the future man aye thank you